0: crazy right who's next all right yeah that's what, that's what i was afraid of yeah risky stuff yeah well we're glad you're here today at grace thanks for coming that's that's actually what we're talking about today is risk counterintuitive is our series and risk is our topic and we realize that uh that risk was part of the christian life for most the centuries from Christ up until now and it's only really been kind of recently that uh, that risk has kind of dropped out for us as Christians in America um, we've gotten comfortable and cozy and, and safe and secure in our Christianity and And I think in doing that, we've lost something. We've lost, really, the experience of risk in the adventure of following Christ. We've we've missed something. Because risk is part of the normal Christian life in the pages of the Bible. Old Testament and new, God followers always risked. And it really ought to be the same for us. But uh, we've neglected that. Think about it. God created us. For most of us here, He saved us. And He has called us for a purpose greater than ourselves. And that involves risk. So what we're going to do is unpack a little bit today where we can learn from Scripture about risk. We're going to we're going to talk about, you know, why risk, the reason to risk, the reality of risk, and then our response to God calling us to risk, All right? Well, the reason to risk is simple because actually this is what Jesus himself personally called us to, and, and this is Recorded for us many times throughout the pages of the New Testament. But right now I'd like us to look at Mark chapter 8. And this is a passage that will be very familiar to most of us. And, And we read through this, but it doesn't seem like it sinks down into our heart as deep as it should. Check this out. Verse 34. And he summoned the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If anyone wishes to come after me... He must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? that sound a little counterintuitive? It is. He starts out and he's saying... Hey, you want to follow me? First thing, deny yourself. Now, first thing I want to make clear to everyone, this call to follow Christ, this denying ourselves, taking up the cross, following Christ, that really does not earn our salvation. There's nothing we can do subsequent to salvation that sort of earns or contributes to our salvation. If we're truly saved, we're saved forever. End of story. But God's called us to live this life, to deny ourselves. And when he uses that term, he's not saying, like a lot of people think, that we should deny something in our life. It's what people do around Lent and stuff like that. They give up something in their life. No, his call is way more radical than that. He's not calling us to to give up something. He's calling us to give up someone, and the one is us. He's calling us to give up ourselves. That's the call. And then he says, to to reaffirm it, he says, take up your cross. And we've kind of sanitized the cross in our day. But remember when this was written and when Jesus was speaking these words, which was before he was on the cross of Calvary, they all knew what a cross was. People had been crucified around Jerusalem by Rome for years. An ugly, horrific execution. He's saying, take up your cross. It'd be like us saying, well, make a hangman's noose. Put it around your neck and tighten it and now follow me. It's it's saying, be ready to give up your life. Die to yourself. That's what he's talking about when he's using this terminology. Take up your cross. You know, we're not all called to be a martyr. We're not all called to to physically die for Jesus, but we are all called to be willing to die for Jesus. How many of you noticed in the the news this week another bunch of Christians were killed by ISIS, just lined up and and murdered? And it's almost like it's not as big as news as it was a couple of months ago when when they did it. And they're just killing Christians for being Christians. And the question is, as ISIS you know, kind of takes over land in different areas, the Islamic State, uh, parts of Syria and Iraq and Libya... And as that grows and Christians are there, the question is, if you were living in an area controlled by ISIS and then you had this choice to either deny Christ or die, which, which would you do? Because let me tell you something. If you're sitting here thinking, I, I think I would rather die than to deny my Savior. If you're, thinking, if you're sitting here thinking that, but you really don't live every day to follow Jesus, you're just kidding yourself, I think. The amazing thing about me, and I don't know if anybody notices anybody struck by the calm of the Christians being killed? I mean, they're kneeling in a perfect line. And they're not running. They're, you know, and I don't know exactly what's going on there. You know, don't know the whole situation. But maybe that's because they really are believers. And they, they signed up for this. Like Christians through the centuries mostly have. To be a Christian meant I'm going to be persecuted. That's what Jesus said. Expect it. That's what Peter said. Have joy in it. That's counterintuitive. That's what he's calling us to. That's the normal Christian life. And why should we do it? Why should we allow ourselves to be martyred? Why, Why should we pick up our cross? Well, he says it in that next phrase. Whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for him, meaning Jesus, and the gospels will save it. Sounds counterintuitive, right? He's saying, hey... If you save your life, if you want to just live your life for you and have it all be about you and serve yourself, you're going to end up losing your life when you die. Or you can give your life to Jesus and follow him and deny yourself now, and then you will end up with eternal life. That's what he's talking about. And the question is, how is that playing out in our life? Because we can see how it plays out in the lives of people in Scripture. We see the reality of risk in their life. Let's look at what it looks like, really. Risk in Scripture. Now, if we define risk as an action that exposes us to the danger of loss and injury or death. That's what risk is. Well, how does this play out in the pages of Scripture? Well, from the Old Testament to the New Testament, over and over, we see God followers risking. For example, Paul. What risk looked like to him? Well, there's actually a place in the Bible. Paul had been at Corinth, and he established a church there. And then he left, and he wrote him a letter. And then he's hearing that things are going bad. And there's some people from Jerusalem that went in. And they caused a a bunch of... problems, they stirred up the people in the church, and they're criticizing Paul and his leadership and, and his ministry, and Paul's not there, and he writes a letter, and he's sort of counteracting what these, his critics, and as he does that, this is in the second letter to the Corinthians that we have, Second Corinthians, as he writes this letter, he says, hey, you want to know who's writer here? Hey, you want to listen to these guys? Let's compare credentials. Look at their credentials, because they're saying we're somebody. Let's compare credentials. And here's what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And I want to read that for you. 2 Corinthians 11, beginning in verse 22. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they descendants of Abraham? So am I. And then he's trying to... Do this credential thing, but he's also got a lot of humility. So it's awkward for him. He says, are they Hebrews? I'm sorry. Are they servants of Christ now? Verse 23. Are they servants of Christ? I speak as if insane. is kind of what he's saying because he knows he should be humble. I more so. In far more labors, in far more imprisonments, beaten times without number, often in danger of death. And then he goes on, five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've spent in the deep. That means in the sea. I have been on frequent journeys in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, dangers among false brethren. I have been in labor and hardship, through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. Wow. This Paul said, well, here's my credentials. I've been beaten so many times for being a Christian, I don't even know how many. Can't keep, can't keep the number. I've, I've been lashed 39 times repeatedly. You know what that was? 40 lashes was considered a death sentence most people didn't survive 40 lashes so to give them the worst punishment without being the death sentence 39 lashes some people didn't survive that either he said yeah done that see dangers all over then he traveled he's been stoned He he travels places, he's like, hey, there's dangers in the land, dangers in the rivers, dangers in the cities, dangers in the wilderness, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, the Jews, dangers from the people who are not my people, the Gentiles, dangers everywhere. That's what he's telling us. He risked his life for God. No place was safe. His whole life is one risk after another. Here's what he said in Acts 20... And this is a point in his life that is after everything that he just wrote about in 2 Corinthians that I just read. This is after that. It's Acts 20. And he's making this decision to go to Jerusalem. But they're hunting for him. And all the other Christians that are with him are like, don't go. And he's saying, no, no I'm, I got to go. And they're like, no, don't do it. Here's what he says. And now, behold... Bound by the Spirit, this is what I think God wants me to do. I'm on my way to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. Except that the Holy Spirit solemnly testifies to me in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions await me. What are you saying? Hey, I don't know what's going to happen to me, but it's probably not going to be good. And I got to go. The amazing thing is at this point in Acts, All the stuff I just read in 2 Corinthians has already happened to Paul. But there's a whole bunch of stuff that hasn't happened to Paul yet. Because as we continue in Acts, we know he was arrested four more times. Imprisoned. And he was eventually executed. That's the life that Paul lived. That's his expectation of what it is to be a Christian. His life is is gone. But losing his life wasn't wasting his life. Because in the in the course of his adventure of following God and the risks that he took to do that, he suffered, but he brought salvation to thousands and ultimately to millions. Even we can trace that back of our own salvation is largely a result Of what Paul has done to further the message of Christ. And it's not just people. Like Paul. Paul wasn't the only one who risked. That we see this in the pages of the Bible. A bunch of people. And it's not just the leaders. It's also the church. Risked. And we see that as well. I mean. It's all over. Another time Paul is writing the church in Thessalonica. And here's what he's saying to them. He's worried, he's concerned that they're going to be shaken in their faith because of the persecution that they're enduring. And Thess- Thessalonica was a great church. Didn't have as many problems as the Corinthian church. And here's what he writes him in, in 1 Thessalonians. He says this in, uh, in chapter 3, beginning in verse 2. I can find that and we sent Timothy our brother and the God and God's fellow worker in the gospel of Christ to strengthen and encourage you as to your faith because they're going through these hard times so that no one would be disturbed by these afflictions by the persecution they're suffering he's talking about for you yourselves know that we have been destined for this he's saying hey I know you guys are going through some stuff. I know some people are being persecuted, beaten, killed. And and we just want to shore up your faith. Because remember when I was with you, when we established the church, we knew we were destined for this. He's not just talking about himself. He's talking about the church. Look how that's changed. We should be willing to take those same risks for God That was the normal Christian life in the first century. And there should be a reality of risk for us too. We mentioned a few weeks ago, for the first 300 years of Christianity, wherever Christians were, it was illegal for them to be Christian. So when they became a Christian, they were stepping into a life of adventure and risk because they could be killed just for being a Christian. It was a normal part of the Christian life. See, risk is a part of our life now. It's just not a normal part of our Christian life is the problem. How many of you remember, especially maybe when you're teenagers, taking crazy risks? You know what I'm talking about? I remember uh, when I was 15. You know when you're 15, you're waiting for that first guy to get his driver's license. I don't know how it was for you guys, but first friend got his driver's license. And we all piled into his car. There were six of us. And we we hadn't gone but a couple miles. And he is just speeding down these country lanes. And he says to the rest of us in the car, he says, hey, I'm going to bomb across Highway 50. Highway 50 is a four-lane highway. He's just going to bomb across it without stopping at the stop sign or looking or anything. And he's telling us this, and, and, and he does it. We just fly 60 miles an hour down this road. There's a four-lane highway. We can't see any traffic. He can't see anything. And he just bombs across the road just on the, just risking it. And, and not only risking our lives, by the way, but risking the lives of anybody who happens to be on the road. I never got back in a car with this guy again. It was just, just kind of crazy risk. That's not the type of risk that Paul's talking about. Paul's talking about the risk that we should take because we've been created. We've been called. We've been saved for something larger than ourselves that we would risk by becoming involved in God's unfolding drama of redemption of the world. You know, we all know how it is. To take some risks, and a lot of times we take risks just for fun. I remember when, when I was a teenager, uh, because we lived near the Rocky Mountains, we'd go up into the mountains. There was this place that we had hiked back into. It's kind of maybe four or five mile hike from the closest dirt road, and there was this place we called the Slide, and there was a natural slide uh, along rocks in the river, cold mountain stream. Cool thing near a place that called San Isabel Lake. And so we would do that. Well, a little ways, another half a mile down the creek, there was a place that you could jump off of cliffs into this mountain stream. And at this part of the stream there was kind of a pool that was almost as big as this platform. The trouble is, it was only about two feet deep. I mean, from 40 feet up, you can see the bottom of this pool. And so if you jump there, you'd just break both your legs. But where, the water, where a waterfall came into the pool, it was deep enough. So if you jumped right into the waterfall, then that place was like the size of two bathtubs. If you jumped in there, then everything was good. That was fun for us. I mean, it was risky, but wh- why, why are we doing that? We've, we've all done stuff like that. Who's done stuff like that? We do stuff like that. It's not jumping off a 400-foot cliff, but we do stuff like that. Why? Just for the fun of it. These guys are jumping, they're not only swinging through this canyon, they're holding a stick with a GoPro on it to film themselves, you know. You notice a guy losing his hat? Oh, oh, can't lose my hat as I'm filming myself streaking through, you know, it's just nuts. We've all done a little bit of that. What's God want from our lives? Not... Not to risk, to have a good time. Not to be an adrenaline junkie. It's not what God's calling us to. But he's calling us to risk for the kingdom. Risk, calculated risk, for a purpose. He's calling us to the adventure of the Christian life. You want to know why some Christians are bored? They're complacent, they're casual about their... This is it, because they don't risk. Because they've bought in to just living for risk avoidance, secure in their safety and their security, and and bubble-wrapped and protected from everything. It's not the way God's called us to live. He's called us to step out and do something, to advance his kingdom. We interviewed Kevin Lear here last week, right? Remember? You know, and he... Picked up everything. He's, he's, he, they had just built a really nice house in Michigan, sold his house, sold his cars, started having garage sales, sold all their stuff. All the stuff that normally to us represents comfort and security. It all just goes. And if it doesn't fit in this little container, why? To go to the Dominican Republic. Why? To make a difference. To advance God's kingdom. For a reason, a calculated risk for a reason, the adventure of the Christian life. How many of you heard about the earthquake in Nepal? Earthquake in Nepal happened just a couple of days ago. Just a few years ago, I'm in Kathmandu, Nepal, where this earthquake happened. I'm sitting down with a young man named Matthew who grew up in Fremont, Ohio. And we're eating fried water buffalo and rice, and he's telling me, it's always rice. You know, whatever you have, it's always rice. But we're sitting there talking and he's telling me, why, you know, why are you doing this? Why is he there? Why did he leave Fremont? Why did he leave the States? To share the gospel with Hindu monks. That live in the mountains. And, and I'm not saying God's calling us to all... He's calling all of us to sell our houses and our cars and get on a plane and go somewhere. I'm not saying that. You can go here. You can go across the street. You can go to the next cubicle at work or the next desk at school. We should take a risk. We need to stop embracing risk avoidance. We should stop making that our God, and we should start embracing the adventure of following God, his kingdom, what he wants done. Because, you see, our nature is to worry and to fret and to isolate ourselves and to stay safe and secure. But by the way, safety is just a mirage anyway, right? All life's a risk. Here, recently, Pam bought me a chainsaw. Talk about taking risks. She bought me a new chainsaw. I had already torn up two chainsaws. I, I think I'm pushing too hard. I bust the sprocket. You can't repair it. It's just a pain. But I, So I'm on my third chainsaw. I haven't even got it going yet. And so I started, a while back, I did a little research on this. 40,000 people a year are injured by chainsaws. I don't know if there's a hidden message there, or But check this out. Kitchen knives injure not 40,000, but 420,000 people a year. Have any of those? Toys injure 140,000 people. Way more. Of course, I know you moms are already worried, wigged out out of your mind, so I shouldn't even mention that. Toothpicks injure 8,000 people a year. Pillows. Injure 4,000 people a year. There's no safety. Safety is a mirage. Life is a risk. Embrace it for the kingdom. That's what we're saying. That's what God's telling us. Remember how Paul responded to risk? His attitude, he says it in Philippians, but it's his attitude all through life, including Acts 20 that we read. He said, hey, if I die, die. You got a job to do. People need to know the truth. That's the same thing for us as a church. You know, we we want to do something for God. Just like Thessalonica, you know, we, we, we probably don't take enough risks as a church. But if you're ever wondering, you know, why are we taking care of orphans in Thailand? Why do we want to feed Underprivileged kids help feed them this summer here at, in Fremont. Why do we want to spend a bunch of money and, and get a loan and build a new building? Why we do To make room for more people. We're doing all this for a reason. Why, why are we doing the whole ministry in Paulding? What's that all about? Hey, none of this. We're not doing any of this because it's easy or convenient or cheap. We're doing it because we think we need to do it as a church. And again, I don't think we're doing, I think we need to probably step it up a little more. I know a guy, a pastor friend of mine, who I was going to share this illustration about the risk he took this year. It's an amazing risk with a group of men. I can't even, then I realized I can't even tell you. Because it would put people's lives in danger. That's a guy who takes a risk. And what about us as individuals? What's our response to risk? Well, first of all, we know, hopefully you've come to know that Jesus Christ, and maybe you're new and you're just hearing this for the first time, or maybe you've been here a while, and okay, you're piecing all this together, and and you're, you're realizing this good news, what we call the gospel, that God created you, that he knows you, he loves you. But because he's perfectly just... He has to punish sin. It's part of his character. And it's good character. Because of justice, sin has to be punished, which is bad news for all of us. Because we've all failed God's moral standard. And so we all deserve to be separated from God in our punishment. But because he loves us so much, he allowed his son Jesus to come to live on earth a high-risk life in his humanity... And ultimately die voluntarily to pay the penalty for our sins. The only one who had no sins of his own to pay for. Paid for ours. And then we get that credited to us by placing our faith or trust in him alone. And, and here, here's what I'm talking about now. We'll, in a church our size, we, we we always hold it a value that non-believers come into our church. We want our friends and neighbors who don't know Christ to come and hear more. And so any given Sunday, there are people here and they're just kind of processing through all this and we're glad that you're here. And it comes down to this taking this step of faith. And what happens is is it it turns in for a lot of people, it turns into a risk because they're thinking, hold it. If I put my trust in Jesus, that means... That really, the, the logical progression of that is really, I'm giving my, I mean, if he is who he says he is, and he's loved us like he says he loves us, and that applies to me, then really, I owe him my life. And, and you're right. But you're thinking, I don't want to give my life. I don't want to give my life up to God's control. That, it sounds risky. Which is very counterintuitive because it's actually no. The risky part is that you don't do that. You don't put your faith in Jesus dying for your sins, and then you die and you don't know when that's going to happen. And then you pay for your sins for an eternity in hell, separated from God. That's the risk. Or maybe it's you're sitting here as a believer. And and as as we're talking about risk, you're thinking, this really does not apply to my life. You realize that you've put safety and security, maybe you've made that your God. But as we continue to refuse to risk for God, to refuse to step out in the adventure God intends for us as we follow him, what we're doing is we are killing our own spiritual growth. Growth. You wonder why you're stagnant? Because you're not living. You're not living it. Safety's a mirage. As I was prepping for this talk on Friday, I saw some posts, more than one person made about two car wrecks on Friday where people died and people in our church knew who died. We don't know. We don't know The risk we're running. God's not guaranteed us any number of days. What he's told us is to use the days that we have. And as we chase the mirage of of safety, our faith weakens. And we miss the very purpose of our lives. The adventure that God's mapped out for us of following him. And we hide in our convenient, cozy, comfortable, secure, safe Christian lives, clinging to them. And you can continue to do that. Or you can recognize that God created you. And if you're a Christian, he has saved you. And he has called you to a life to be lived for a purpose greater than yourself. All of us are called that way. And so how does this play out in our individual lives and where we're at today? Well, and God's doing it all the time here at Grace. For example, what happens a lot, and I talk about this a lot because it's so common, is people who come into Grace, young people, not... As believers just checking things out and maybe they come for several Sundays and in the course of that God kind of does a miracle in their heart and they put their their trust in Christ and they keep coming to grace and then they they start realize sometimes they're coming with somebody they're living with and, and maybe that person's had the same experience and at some point as they grow and, and get to know God more and more they realize oh we should not be living together while we're not married and so oh what God's calling us to do is either to separate stop living together or to get married and a lot of times those new Christians that just seems risky well if we separate you know the whole relationship might go south and it just might be gone it might disintegrate if we get married I don't know if I'm ready for that or what if I it's a mistake later or what we we fail to risk But it's actually counterintuitive. God's saying, risk to do life God's way. And that's how you'll find purpose and meaning and joy and contentment. But we fight against it. It could be any area of your life. You know, whatever it is, whatever area, our money. Money, for a lot of people, that represents our safety and our security. And so as we become believers and we find out God wants us to give, God wants us to be generous, that's counterproductive to the way we're thinking. Because we're thinking, holy, that's counterproductive to me, to, to my financial plan. Well, take a risk. Test God. See what happens in your life financially if you just step out on the adventure of following him. Any area. It applies to every area. You know, I, I know singles here at church. And some people are single and, and don't plan on getting married or, or it may never happen. And, and God's saying, That's a, that can be a great life of serving God. And some people, they're, they're just waiting for the day. And they're determined because they're Christ followers. They're saying, nope, I'm going to do this right. I'm not going to move in with anybody until we're married. And I'm only going to marry another believer. And they're, they're spot on. And then the months go by. And the years go by. And the, and the biological clock's ticking or, you know, whatever. It, time goes by and they start thinking, wow. And there's this temptation that, hey, I'm going to do this my way. Even though God, you know, I, I think this is how God wants it done. But for me, in my circumstance, I think I can do this a different way. And then it's just a train wreck. It's a train wreck they knew. Was going to happen? But they didn't wait for God. They tried to force it. I know there are people here in a church our size that you are in the middle of some huge decision. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's something, that, whatever it is. You're in the middle of this huge decision and things haven't been going right. And you've decided to do this your way, even though you know God says do it this way. I'm telling you, take the risk, do it God's way, sign up for that. That's what God's calling us to. It's not our life anymore. Give control over to Him and see what God does. Experience the adventure of risk in following God. For some, it's talking to somebody about Christ. We, we develop these relationships. We know God's placed us in their life to make an impact. But then we think, well, if I say something now, then that relationship will be broken. And so we go on week after week, month after month, year after year, and we don't say anything. Take a risk. Risk the relationship to share what Christ has done for you. How embarrassing to know somebody for 10 years and then tell them, Oh, I'm a believer. Wow, well, I never knew you were a believer. Wow. Take the risk. God's put us in their lives for a reason. God's placed them into your life for a purpose. And the purpose is His. Take the risk, whatever it is, wherever you're at. Step out. Do what God's calling you to do. Is it hard? Do it. Tough? Do it. Risky? Do it. You might lose something? Do it. Because God's not called you to lose something. He's called you to lose you. Follow him. You'll never regret it. Stop letting the quest to live a risk-free life paralyze your Christian life. Step out. Change that. Make something happen. Risk to follow him daily. So what's that look like in your life? I don't know. Only you and God know. If you don't know, ask God. And I think he'll let you know. I know for me, I'm realizing, hey, I could be doing more. I can be risking more for God. I I have failed. What's your area? What part of your life are you not giving up to God? Because you haven't risked following him. Do it. We're going to wrap this talk up. Kind of throwback. All right old school. Jay's going to come and he's going to lead us in a closing song. I'm going to pray before he does that. And then I'm going to invite you just to turn your hearts to God, to ask God, God, what area of my life do I need to step out and take more risk? And then when you have that and you're willing to give it to him or give him a shot or take the risk and see how it goes, what I'd like you to do is just to come forward while Jay's singing. Just kneel down here at these steps or just across the front. Just kneel down and sort of pray, okay, God, I'm giving this to you. And then just get up and go back to your seat. That's it. It's old school. It's the altar call. Are you ready for this? We used to do this all the time. That, that's what. Talk to God. If you feel, not Kevin, if you feel God is calling you to take a risk in some area of your life. Come down here and give that area to him. Let's stand together. Father God in heaven, we thank you for who you are, and we thank you for your goodness, and we thank you at great cost. You redeemed us through Jesus. God, help us to, to love you back. Lord, help us to experience the Christian life authentically. Help us to experience the Christian life the way it's meant to be lived. Lord, with risk for you, calculated risk that furthers your kingdom or might further your kingdom. Lord, help us to risk to follow you in every area of our life. And right now, Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit would impact us and our hearts. Search our hearts to find out. What are the areas exposed to us where we've refused to risk for you? And God, help us to have the strength and the wisdom to turn it over. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.